0: Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast that's a platform for mothers who are artists and creatives to share the joys and issues they've encountered while continuing to make art. Regular themes we explore include the day-to-day juggle, how mothers' work is influenced by their children, mum guilt, how mums give themselves time to create within the role of mothering and the value that mothers and others place on their artistic selves. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter and a mum of two boys from regional South Australia. You can find links to my guests and topics we discuss in the show notes, together with music played, how to get in touch and a link to join our lively and supportive community on Instagram. The Art of Being a Mum acknowledges the Boendick people as the traditional owners of the land which this podcast is recorded on. Thanks so much for joining me. My guest this week is Danielle Klobedans, an author based in San Diego, California, and a mum of four children. Danielle was born and raised in the Netherlands. A child of three, Danielle was always interested in children and babies, and she began babysitting the neighbours' children when she was 12. She was drawn to big families and the energy they bring. Danielle was fascinated with children's growth and development and went on to study developmental psychology at college. It was on a trip to the US for her sister's wedding that she met the man who was soon to be her husband, nine months later in fact. They enjoyed a whirlwind romance, travelling Europe together before being married and settling down. Her dream was always to have four children and Danielle was determined to make that happen, even in the face of health issues, bed rest, premature births and miscarriages. But when Danielle finally realised her lifelong dream of having those four children, it was then that she slowly realised that she no longer existed as a person and her idea of what being a good mum meant was challenged. Danielle released her first book, Inner Compass Mum, Finding Peace and Purpose in the Midst of Motherhood in May of 2021. The book outlines her journey and the life-changing experience which led to her new outlook on motherhood. This episode contains discussions around miscarriage and premature birth. Music you'll hear today is from Australian ambient music trio Alemjo, featuring myself, my sister Emma Anderson and her husband John, and is used with permission. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, welcome along today, Danielle. It's such a pleasure to meet you and to welcome you to the podcast. Well, thanks
1: for having me. I, I um... I'm intrigued by your podcast. I listened to several. And, uh, oh, thank uh, you. I was excited to be on this one.
0: Oh, awesome. Wow. Uh, what
1: time is it in your, your zone?
0: Well, we've just gone past 1130 a.m., so it's quite a nice Sunday morning, just nice and lazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good.
0: It looks sunny in your place. Yeah, I've had to close the blinds because the sun's coming in so much. It's like distorting like how I look to you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can see the glow. I have to do some artificial glow because the sun is going down here. So Yeah,
0: what's the the time there?
1: It's uh, 7 p.m. right now. We just had the time change, the, um, you
0: know, daylight savings. Yeah, us too. Yeah. Yeah, so whereabouts are you right now? In San Diego. San Diego. San Diego,
1: California.
0: Right now you're in San Diego, but whereabouts did you start out in life? Well,
1: I was born and raised in Holland, in the Netherlands, and um, I, I well, I moved to San Diego, or to actually to Orange County, California, um, at the age of 26, barely 26, but before I met my husband, I, you know, just... Did the normal thing. I went to college. I studied developmental psychology in Amsterdam, and then I, I had, um, you know, a job for about a year. It was hard to find a job in my field, actually, and I worked at a temp agency for a year, and that's when I I met my um, my husband during that time. But um, yeah, so I just I. be honest i never really cared about a career i just wanted to have a family and but what do you do you're not just going to sit around and wait for some guy to come along you 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 know you got to make some of your life and then hopefully it'll all happen so i went to college and i always loved um, babysitting i loved hanging out with kids i loved uh, watching their you know development and how they would think and how they would learn so i was intrigued by children so developmental psychology really seemed to fit uh, fit me and uh, so that's what I pursued and um, yeah until I I met my husband when I was um, 25 actually and Mm -hmm. then he got married when I was 26 and then I moved over to the United States yes yeah
0: so that that interest in wanting to become a mum that intense drive was that something cultural or something that you'd been exposed to growing up was that sort of the norm that you would grow up women would have children or was that something innate in yourself do you think
1: well my, my mom was a stay-at-home mom until I was and I'm I'm the youngest of three I have two older sisters and we're all a couple of years apart um, and then my mom started working when I was in my mid-teens, so to say. But I always just, I wanted to be a mom. I, I, I wasn't sure what I would, I wasn't really sure what I was good at. Like in school, I was kind of an average student, like nothing really stood out. <laughs> the, actually the best, the subject I was that was easiest for me, was actually English. English is mandatory in middle school and high school and that was yeah. the only subject that was kind of came more natural to me. <laughs> and it turned out, ah, came in handy later in yeah. life for sure. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I was intrigued by, by science, but I wasn't very good at it. You know, like math, oh my gosh, you know, it's just, just not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was like, what am I good at? What is my passion? And then I started babysitting the family across the street from us when I was like 12 just an hour so mom could do groceries and I just loved it and um they they had a big family they ended up having five kids and the parents themselves were from large families so Mm -hmm. whenever there was a birthday party I, I was invited and the whole house was just filled with this wonderful energy people were laughing and having wonderful conversations and everybody just seemed happy and um i just wanted to create a big happy family for myself yeah and that's all i really wanted i just wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and i thought i would thoroughly enjoy it well it, it, <laughs> we'll talk about that later how
0: oh how,
1: you yeah. know the, the life that i wanted happened and then You know, it turns out, is it really as fulfilling as I had hoped it would be?
0: us through you know you met your husband you got married was it then like straight away right let's do this we're gonna have this family that I've always dreamed of how did you, how did it sort of go from there yes
1: yeah, so when so I met my husband at my sister's wedding actually she was able I mean we all grew up in Holland you know me and my sister so but she was able to get a two-year visa to work in the U.S. And during that time, she met a guy, decided to marry him. And so we went to the wedding and that's where I met my husband. And um, we, so we dated for a while. Um, I mean, nothing happened at the wedding. People can read the story in my book the office mom. They can read all the details and how all that went down. But basically, um, because I was living in Holland, we basically dated internationally and we traveled in Europe and we dated in, you know, Belgium, like Bruges and Antwerp and Barcelona. And then um, uh, basically uh, seven months, It was, no, it was eight months after we met, he proposed to me in, in Prague. <laughs> so, and the next month we were married. So like within like nine months after we met, we were married and we, we, we did, and, and then a couple of months later was able to immigrate. Um, Yeah, we were married in February and I immigrated in April, so that all happened really fast. And so we decided to wait a little bit with having kids because also my husband wanted to get his master's in business. So we decided to just get that out of the way before we'd have kids and enjoy a little bit more freedom before, you know, babies would arrive and get to know each other even better because we only (laughs) knew each other nine months but I will say when you travel together you get to know each other really fast and it's either going to work or it's not and it was going to work so um we we were just both convinced you know once you know you just know mm-hmm. and um we just celebrated um our 24th wedding anniversary oh, Congratulations!
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> it a true out. love
1: story isn't it it's a real love so, story I love that <laughs> yeah Um, yeah yeah and and my husband comes from a large family by the way Mm -hmm. I was thrilled to find out when I met him and we got to know each other that uh, my husband is one of eight children he's number five and I just loved it and his older siblings already had kids and so Mm -hmm. every family get together was just filled with you know that same kind of energy Mm, Uh, the the laughter everybody's talking and just having a great time and bringing up old stories from the past and just I don't know there's just something about big families that I just love and um, yeah so he's like okay you want to have kids okay well three or four is what you have in mind well four is half of what I grew up with so I guess (laughs) we'll figure out how to manage that my mom managed to you know raise eight children yeah. <laughs> don't know
0: how she did it but <laughs> anyway wow yeah so yeah so you're pretty happy with four four is a good number
1: <laughs> well it's an even number I was I was the last one of three so sometimes I did feel like you know my two older sisters would would play together mm. and I was always a little too young or the third wheel basically so I always figured you know if possible, uh, even numbers. And my husband loves numbers, he loves even numbers. So he's, <laughs> he's, he's his background is in accounting. He's not, he, he does production now, but um, he, he loves even balanced numbers, <laughs> so yeah. And it, it worked out well, actually, with yeah. uh, having two sets of kids, basically.
0: so yeah tell us tell us about that yeah yeah the
1: first two are close in age they're 19 months apart and um and then i will tell you after the second one because i always had complicated pregnancies Mm -hmm. i was put on bed rest i had preterm labor with every every child with the first one i made it to 38 weeks so i thought well maybe it wasn't that big of an issue maybe will be fine so um we tried for another one and i i got pregnant um fast and so um they're 19 months apart but i was definitely put on bed rest again with the second one so Mm -hmm. she was actually born five weeks early at 35 um weeks Mm -hmm. Um, but did but find she was in the NICU for uh, like eight days, I think. And then she came home. Um, so that was a bit like, oh, wow, that's, you know, uh, you know, it's second pregnancy. And now, you know, we are preterm here.
2: Mm.
1: But 19 months is is a bit challenging. I think any parent who is kids close in age knows that you Probably we'll have two in diapers for a while, and then there's this sibling rivalry that really was an issue, and um, it, it's a lot. Um, so I actually thought, oh, and at the time, my husband was really busy; like he he worked sixty hours a week, he traveled a lot. So I felt like I was a single mom. Mm. So. After having two, I thought, there's no way we can have more kids. I can barely manage two. What was I thinking, wanting to have all these kids? There's just no way. But as um, life went on and the kids got to be a little bit older and, you know, out of the diaper phase and Mm -hmm. things like that, I, I... did start secretly longing for another baby there's just something in me that said I don't want to be done having babies there's something about having babies and (laughs) I don't know I just didn't want to be done and then actually what happened was I had um I had just a regular you know blood work done just a doctor's appointment just to annual check or whatever it was just like hey we haven't checked your blood in a while let's just see and it turned out that um, my platelet count was really, really low. And so they sent me to a specialist and the specialist said, this is, this is not good. This is not a good situation. We got to figure out what's going on because you could have an autoimmune disorder. Mm-hmm. You, it might be leukemia, it might be MS. And I was just shocked. Because, I mean, I did feel healthy, but you just never know what's mm-hmm. going on. You just don't know. So I went back for several months to get checked and checked. And um, it, it turned out what probably happened was um, my birth control, which my naturopathic doctor said, like, why don't you stop taking birth control? Because I had switched and sometimes that I guess with some can be the cause of know but the platelets start to stick anyway not a doctor so but after several months my blood started showing like normal levels again and then I think it was like seven months and my doctor said okay I I guess you're you're healthy it must have been that and you know um you have a clean bill of health and um I remember sitting in my car after that appointment and i just started crying like oh my gosh you know like this is like a miracle because you know i had so much fear like what if i have a disease what what if i have something that's really life-changing or you know um potentially worse so and i remember it so well that moment because um i think our youngest was about Two or three, two years old. And I thought, well, what do I want to do? You have a second chance of living a healthy life. And I just remember uh, I know exactly what I want. And I, I, want, I want to have more babies. And I want to stop living in fear because there are no guarantees in life. There really aren't. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. So I figured I might as well go for my big dream and figure it out. And right at the time, I, my husband was able to get a job in San Diego and we ended up moving and everything became a lot more manageable and simple and just a normal 40-hour work week and mm-hmm. a short commute. So that created space for us to have another baby. And uh, and then, yeah, number uh, girl number three um, <laughs> came along and... Um, and then you know i was ready like after years ready okay let's do this let's have another one come on baby number 4 right all and well <laughs> and then i think god or the universe told me oh, not so fast not so fast um, so i miscarried a couple of times which was I'm sorry which was really shocking to me that really that really messed with me um, well woke me up actually just to be be more I think be more grateful for how easy it was always for me to get pregnant. I would always get pregnant right away and yeah. you have the healthy kids. And that's something you, you can never take for granted, you know,
2: mm.
1: but um, I was going through a trying time of, wow. So I am feeling this really strong desire for a fourth child that just felt so right to me. Like, no, we're gonna have four kids. This is what I wanted, this is what I'm gonna get. This is, yeah, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't that happen to me or for me? And because of the two miscarriages and because I get pregnant right away, I'm like, I need time. I need to figure out, I need to get some answers. And I was already very spiritual. And what I do is I basically ask the universe guide me show me what am i supposed to do give me some answers mm-hmm. and um i knew I, I had to just give it some time And like i'm not gonna we're not gonna try for a few months several months we're just gonna wait and try trying to think about it and just just give it maybe even half a year and then we'll see if i get any signs if i change my mind i don't know mm-hmm. and then pretty quickly after I decided actually to just wait for a few months. I had this dream. Um, I I don't know if I should go into all these details, it's all in the book, but it it basically was... I, I was at this convention, and there was this Native American chief, this very wise man that anybody who had questions he could answer like he was connected to God, the universe, he, he would just channel the answers. And I was waiting patiently for my turn, and um, I kind of closed my eyes, kind of meditating. It was all in my dream. <laughs> and um, of course, I knew what I was going to ask like, are we meant to have a fourth child? Because I believe you can want something, but I also believe. It has to like integrate with what maybe the universe wants for you or Mm. there's some mystery around that like what is free will what is destiny what are we meant to do here so i just wasn't sure anyway in my dream when i finally knew it was my turn to ask this chief i opened my eyes and um it was Kind of weird, you know, how dreams can be kind of weird. The chief was not there, but there was this big poster that said, yes, of course you meant to have another child. Just don't wait. You need to try now. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, I woke up and I'm like, oh, God. "Whoa! oh my gosh, it's here. This is it. And it's, I don't know, any any listener who who's worked with dreams before and ha- has had these guiding dreams, the energy that comes from these dreams, it's so different you feel transformed you wake up and you know this is different this is not just oh you're just processing your day-to-day your worries your anxieties this is mm. this is a lot more and you just know this is it i have to follow this and yeah sure enough nine months later we had our baby boy <laughs> so it's <laughs> oh what a great like story. i i do I, live my life that way if i if i'm stuck mm-hmm. and i don't know I throw my I know there's an answer for me and I throw it out there in the universe to God or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. and I just expect an answer to come and it it always comes you just gotta learn to receive it
0: yeah that's it isn't about it? being open and allowing it to come and not questioning or not trying to second guess it's just what do you have to tell yeah. me and just waiting for it to to come yeah as it does if you yeah if you're open to it you'll you'll get it
2: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm a big believer okay. in that too yeah
0: So you have, you've right. got your four kids, you've got your dream, and then how did things yeah. go from then? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, I think um, moms who are listening can recognize that, you know, the first couple of years, the baby years, toddler years, they're just intense. It's physical. It's, it's draining. I mean, you, you don't sleep at night. You're just chasing them. They're starting to crawl. I mean, it's, it's very demanding. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you think, well, it's gonna get easier as they get a little older and it does, it does get easier. So that's what I thought, you know, once I had, you know, first of all, after I had two kids, I thought, well, it's gonna get easier. It was very hard in the beginning with only 19 months apart. And then it got easier and then, yeah, we added more kids. So I thought, okay, it's a lot. I got a kid in elementary school and a preschool, and then I got a toddler at home and a newborn. But it's going to get easier. We're going to get through this, and many others have done this before me. <laughs> and um, and and some things, of course, did get easier. But there's also other things got got harder. You know, you you're dealing with with four kids with very different personalities, and every kid needs something else from you and uh, I think one of the frustrating parts is you think you've figured something out with one kid and you're like, oh, this is great, it's working. This is working. My kid is actually doing what I need her to do or everything is kind of flowing better and yeah. you try to apply it to another kid, forget it. It's not gonna work. Or two yeah. weeks later, a month later, the same system, same approach, it's just not working anymore. So you constantly have to like reinvent yourself or something. Mm. And so um, it, it was harder and, uh, or in different ways. Yeah. And that feeling that I was l- looking for and longing for of like ha- creating this, basically this, this house full of joy and these kids running around and being all happy and bringing me joy and likeliness and, you know, the whole purpose. It, yeah, there were moments like that, absolutely, you know, but not enough for me to say, yes, now I have exactly what I wanted. Technically, I did. It looked like that on the outside. I had exactly, I could list it, great husband, healthy kids, great neighborhood, beautiful home, good schools, and something was still missing, and I wasn't happy, and I, for the longest time, I would beat myself up Stop being so ungrateful, be grateful for all the gifts in your life. You should be happy, you should be happy, you should be happy. Why are you not happy? Mm. But at some point when my youngest was in preschool, I realized, stop, you gotta start listening to yourself because if you don't make a change now, you're going to end up being bitter and unhappy and resentful. And you do not wanna go, you don't wanna be that person. Mm. So that's when I went on my my journey of getting some answers of how I would uh, make some changes in my life.
2: To the art of being a mom with my mom Alison Newman.
0: Four kids you've outlined you know all at different stages it's all so demanding like where did you actually fit in there did you feel like you were just that you existed only for your children that was the only thing that you did was meet the needs of your children?
1: Basically yeah I, I, I basically I always wanted to be a mom so now I know the way I define being a good mom and I'm connected to a lot of moms um, in, especially in my neighborhood. And basically I now know why I got so stuck and why I wasn't as fulfilled with my situations because I, the way I defined what it means to be a good mom and that's how we get stuck (laughs) that's how i got stuck i define being a good mom as someone who you got to give everything to your children and you you just do everything maybe not do everything for them because you know they they got to learn to do things on their own but you know you you create that family you create the memories and you um you, know, you drop everything and you, you make sure they go to the birthday parties and they, they go to, to try different sports and uh, music and, and everything because you give, give, give because mm-hmm. that's a good mom. Because uh, when you're a good mom, you make sure you, th- you give them the right education and that they do really well in school. So you support all their education, their school. And if they need anything, you're right there talking Mm. to the teacher, whatever it takes to give this child and all these kids the best possible situation so that they can go to college and have a good career later on because then they'll be happy. And Mm. then, and I didn't realize that that's where it all came from until I had my spiritual awakening a few years ago. It was all because I thought, if they did well and checked all the boxes, you know, the boxes of graduating high school, Mm -hmm. going to college, graduating there, finding a good company to work for, getting married, giving me grandbabies, that would mean that I had done a good job as a mom. And when I had my spiritual awakening, I realized all the flaws in my thinking, because it's just not true. It's just not true. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean the opposite is true. Like, Yeah. that because yeah we all influence our our kids like we influence everybody that who we meet who who, whose lives we touch we do Mm. but when I had my awakening I saw that the picture is so much bigger than we experience in our day-to-day life or at least than what I had experienced in my day-to-day like it's like almost like I I used to have tunnel vision, and then even the, the narrow vision I had of my life and life in general was also tainted by this lens that was so colored by life experiences, by biases, by judgments, mm-hmm. by your culture, by how you grow up. Yeah. So um, when I had that that awakening, uh, which just basically happened in broad daylight in my kitchen, not being <laughs> under the influence of anything. Everybody's like, what did you smoke? What did you <laughs> drink? You're like, nothing, <laughs> nothing, I swear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and people can read about that in, in A Compass Mom, um, how, how that all
0: went down. I won't
1: go into details Yeah, here, for
0: sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah
1: it, it shifted my perspective completely about everything that I believed that was true you know waking up to all my false and limiting beliefs
0: yeah so when you had that how did you then make the changes I suppose like it's like you say you had this moment and it's this you've you've had this uh, I don't know what the word is epiphany it's you've realized how you can live your life in a different way to Mm -hmm. to to feel you know meet your needs I guess um were you like practically then like how did you think oh how am I actually gonna do this I suppose um that's a big question, I suppose. But <laughs> Yeah.
1: Well, let me let me try to answer that because about a year before I had that awakening, I had already decided that I needed to make a change. I think my youngest, my son was about three years old and I already had recognized or acknowledged that I'm not happy, stop denying it. You need to make a change because this is not going to get any better automatically. I have to, uh, and I didn't know how I was going to make a change, but I realized what I was, what I was craving was silence. I just needed solitude, just silence and not all the mommy, 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 mommy. You know, it is just constant. They always need it. As soon as they see you for a while, this has just always been fascinating to me. They're playing nicely in their room. The doors open. So, you walk by all of a sudden, they realize, oh, I need mom. Like, no, you didn't need me for like half an hour. You didn't need me. Yeah. And I'm walking by. <laughs> and it's like, all of a sudden, they need you. They need you for yeah. whatever. They'll come up with something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they make it up on the spot. They just need mom. Yeah. So anyway, I was really craving just solitude. And I was craving reading books again. Mm-hmm. I was never a big reader. Um but I was always interested in spirituality and psychology and I hadn't read a book in 10 years or so because yeah. you don't have tons. kids <laughs> you, you don't even want to I mean I, I talked to a lot of moms who are going through that now. I mean I I published the, my book a year ago almost and um, a lot of moms with, with young ones they say, I have your book I just... I just can't get to it i i and i'm like i hear you i hear you so i actually yeah. recorded an audiobook because mm-hmm. moms can listen to audiobooks or podcasts while they're folding laundry or commuting to work or whatever so yeah um, that'll help solve that but yeah I, I i didn't i didn't read a book for like 10 years and then i was craving oh information and getting mm-hmm. that inspiration again yeah um, about you know so i started reading And then um, what actually happened was I was so intrigued by what I read um, in these books. I started taking notes. I started journaling about all these amazing insights. It was like like I had been asleep for 10 years and also there's a whole new world out there that doesn't really have kids in it. And it's like so amazing. (laughs) And I was just inspired Uh, again. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I, that's how I started to come alive again, reading mm-hmm. and journaling and even doing a little bit of art, drawing a little bit of painting again yep. and just taking time for myself.
0: There's a quote in the book where you say that you discovered parts of yourself that you had forgotten about. And that would have been just an incredible thing. Like you say, you got back to painting and creating. Did that sort of take you back to a time where you didn't have children? That-
1: <laughs> yes, yes. And I think the biggest thing that has to do with creating art is its flow. You need and you need time to get into that flow and it's when you have you have kids at home forget it you know every few minutes you're going to be interrupted and that's you just can't have that flow so um when when my youngest started going to preschool in kindergarten I had just more time and of course I, I was very I realized I was very lucky that I was able to stay at home with my kids and that I didn't have to have a job outside of the home, a paying job outside of the home. Um, so I could actually do that and take some time um, to myself and just schedule it. I had to schedule it, like schedule a block of a couple of hours a week to make sure it would happen because it's still busy, you know, you're doing all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah, that's going. A, Yeah,
0: just because the children aren't there doesn't mean... But everything yeah. stops. Yeah, <laughs> that
1: laundry keeps on coming somehow. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Very... It's actually funny when you say about laundry. That's like the bane, I think, of every mother's existence. It just doesn't stop. And one day I was complaining about it to my own mum, and she said, "You know, one day you're going to miss doing their laundry." And I was like, "Okay, mum, all right." Like I could see that she, that was her <laughs> saying, "You know, yes. you grow up and you move out, and we miss it." So I thought, right, I. Don't take it yeah. for granted, like you are saying before, don't take things yeah. for granted.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. But yeah. still, it's oh, okay.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah I, I hear that too from, I, I remember people saying, well, one day you're gonna miss this. Man. Yeah, but I still, I'm struggling right now. Exactly, oh, you still that got that gotta do it. i sleep deprived and still, yeah. and I think it's okay for moms who are hearing this who are overwhelmed, because you. I think all moms go through this stage, but they're just overwhelmed. Mm. And when somebody tells them, one day you're going to miss it, so try to enjoy it. And it's like, no, you're not listening to me. I'm overwhelmed. It's okay to feel overwhelmed and, and don't feel guilty about it. It's, mm. it's part of the journey. It's, it's okay. It's a lot. Raising kids is a lot, especially mm. in today's world. It can be overwhelming
0: Yeah.
1: Um, compared to even like 20 years ago, like we're living oh, yeah. in a very different world.
0: Yeah, that's for sure now you briefly mentioned guilt there I'd love to bring you to one of the topics that I chat to my mums about on this show is mum guilt um and I always put it in air quotes because I know it's a it's a yes. contrived word that I feel like our our social media society has made this this special word hashtag mum guilt. Um, yeah, that you know that experience for you. How do you, how can you sort of relate to that that mum guilt?
1: I I definitely had my um, my share of mom guilt a lot actually. Um, especially when you have four different kids and some, some kids just need more support than other kids. And um, it's, kids don't come with a manual, <laughs> first of all. And when you th- really think about it, I, I think somebody once told me that there are more parenting books than dieting books. And to me, that only tells you one thing, nobody has really figured it out yet either. Otherwise there would be one book and we'd all be reading it. And so nobody has figured it all out. We have to just keep learning as we go. You can read all the books you want before you have that baby and you will never be prepared for what is to come once that baby is there. You never will be. So you just do the best you can, you figure it out. But in the meantime, We definitely go through, I think, I can't imagine any mom, unless they're enlightened moms (laughs) who figured it all out, but I think all moms go through guilt. You go to bed at night and you're like, why did I raise my voice? Why did I not bite my tongue? Why did I say this? Why did I, or should I, I should have done this, or I should have done that, should I have done this? You're constantly doubting yourself, like wondering if you should have done this or that. And and you just feel guilty like um, because you're not sure what to do because nobody, well, nobody will tell you that's not really the right thing because we we don't even, well, sometimes we want people to tell us, but on the other hand, um, one size does not fit all. Um, It's a thing that I've been frustrated with before when you see titles of books and it sounds like, oh, 10 steps to raise happy kids or well-adjusted kids. And it, for some, for, for kids who have uh, well-integrated brains, um, for example, the, the, like the sticker system or the reward system, you know, to, to get kids to maybe clean up their room and do their chores. For kids who have well-integrated brains and more balanced, it works like a charm. It really does work well, but for kids who are not, forget it, it's not that easy. And it's frustrating when, when you have a child that is you know, a little more complex. Mm-hmm. And um, I know there's a lot of moms out there who struggle with that. Like, well, it doesn't work for my kid or you need to have a lot more layers to that system of support to have somewhat of an effect. But anyway, I kind of digress here, but Um, back to mom guilt so yeah it's real because we feel we're not sure if we're doing the right thing but when I had my awakening instantly it was gone all the guilt was gone all the guilt it was gone all the should have, could have, they were gone because they did not matter at all. What mattered was what I realized as I was showered with this incredible, unconditional love that washed away anything negative, whether it was guilt. I mean, I felt forgiven, even though forgiveness wasn't even really needed because. We're not guilty. We, we, we just, it's not easy being a human being. It's That's just the reality of it because we, we live in our mental world and it's, it gets um, very conflicted. There's a lot of conflict happening in our mental world. and But when I was in that state, guilt was gone because I knew, I knew with every fiber of my being that all I needed to do was the best I could and it was enough. We are here to learn, to grow and to evolve as individual souls and also as a collective and and both influence, you know, we influence the collective and the collective influences us. It, mm. There's just no way around that. It's hand in hand. And yeah, I realized I had such a narrow perspective before that experience and all of a sudden my perspective was so big and I realized we are not born a a blank slate, you know, we carry Mm -hmm. the DNA of our ancestors. We are influenced by our culture, our families, our teachers, our society. And then I also believe we, we, carry energies from possibly past lives and that all of that merges into one individual and so now as a parent we are trying to guide children who come with let's call it baggage Mm. Um, and some have some lighter baggage and others have heavy baggage and we think we can fix it Mm. We think we can, we're supposed to fix it. We think we're supposed to pull them up on that mountaintop and it's like an uphill battle because we don't realize that we actually have very little control. We actually have like no control. We can't control anybody else, Mm. really, not really. And the thing was I was completely surrendering to whatever was happening I was completely in the moment the past was just not important at all they were just the past was just stories that got me to where I was now and anything that I'd ever maybe felt bad about it didn't matter because it, they're, they're stories and what mattered was now I experienced the, the pure moment of of awareness which is now which is really all we have because Mm -hmm. the past is gone and when you really think about it the future hasn't happened we really only have the present moment and i live purely in the moment i didn't worry anymore about the future because there is no use to be worrying about anything life just unfolds moment by moment and i just surrendered and i had this profound trust that life just evolves and unfolds mysteriously and we don't have to understand it all that was a big thing Mm -hmm. you don't have to understand it all because you will never understand all of life you will never understand this incredible masterpiece that we are part of and it was fine I was fine with it I just had this deep trust that somehow life will unfold and I will always continue to exist as a soul or whatever energy level. Yep. So I didn't have a worry in the world. And it lasted almost for a week. And it was just amazing. All my problems were gone. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, the most incredible experience um, that I ever could have imagined. Yeah. And to get back to, the practice of wanting an answer and throwing it out there into the universe, that spiritual awakening was an answer to my burning question. Um, At the time, I had become very spiritual and I was already, was energized. I felt better about myself, but what happened was I felt like a spiritual island in my family. I couldn't connect to my family because they were not all that spiritual. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I knew I couldn't just preach to them. Well, it's, this is how it is. And because it was my truth, but it doesn't mean that it's the ultimate truth. Who knows? You know, nobody can prove anything. I can't prove God exists and, and I can't prove God doesn't exist. You know, it's one of those things that you believe what you believe and you know what you know but I felt very kind of isolated and one day I realized I don't have to put up with that there's got to be an answer and so I threw it out into the universe and I I do this thing where I follow signs you can read about it in the book Mm -hmm. and um, one day I had this Deeper awareness, and I'm like, okay, that's a sign. I gotta follow this lead, and it was leading me to a book. And once I read this paragraph, it took me through this whole process, this mental process of kind of analyzing some things from my past, and also it it got me into this awakening. And basically, the answer to my question, how do I connect at a deeper level, more spiritual, conscious level with my family, and it was. Unconditional love. Mm-hmm. It was complete acceptance of my family members. They're all flawed. We're all flawed. Mm-hmm. But that's the only way we can learn and evolve. It's through our shortcomings, through our flaws. And they're not even flaws, they're just imperfections because that comes with being a human being. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved my family unconditionally. I was showered with that unconditional love and I could see I was made whole. That was the whole thing was made whole, I felt complete. And I could see that everybody was whole also. I could see it in my family members, anybody who I would run into in the supermarket. I could, it's a weird, I can't even describe it, but I knew and I could see they were whole, complete already at that soul level but the problem is we live in our mental world hmm. where there's all this inner conflict and these judgments and these limiting beliefs of how we think we should live life the best way and all that but it's so flawed <laughs> and it imprisons us really but that's yeah. part of the whole human journey yeah, that's but yeah. that awakening was an answer to this burning question so you do get answers you just need to be really eager to get the answer.
3: Mm.
0: So then how did your relationships with your family change? They would have been able to notice the way that, you know, mum was now things are a bit different did that how how did that sort of go
1: um I to be honest I hardly even really talked about it during those days Mm -hmm. I talked a little bit to my husband about it bit by bit because I it it was such a kind of shocking experience that like well not even shocking it was actually something that I recognized like I remembered the state of being. I had just forgotten about it. I'm like, how did I forget that this is another way of being? But anyway, I couldn't find the words to describe what had happened to me. It took me a long time to figure out how to talk about it and how to write about it. But basically, what happened was I approached my kids differently. I saw, Because I saw motherhood through a completely new lens. Mm. And the lens was, our children are born with their own purpose. They have to find their own purpose and they have their own inner compass to guide them. I realized I have my own inner compass. It's our intuition. It's listening to that own, your, your inner voice that will guide you to life because your soul knows what you love, what you're fascinated with, what, and that leads you to your purpose. Just follow the path of inspiration and you will find your purpose and purposeful life. Mm-hmm. And our kids have the same and it has nothing to do with us really. It's not, the way I define motherhood, being a good mom was like I said, you have to check the boxes to make sure they get a good education and you, you just invest in your family, you give, give, give. But what I had learned was we all are responsible for our own happiness. We have to find our own purpose too. And raising kids is part of our purpose, but often there's more, there's more. And I knew there was more for me and it's our own inner compass that will guide us there. And I realized our kids have their own inner compass, even though we still have to guide them in life when they're young, they know what they want in this lifetime—it's—it's—it often gets covered up. That they know what they're passionate about, mm. if the opening is there, if you—if you let them, and it might not look like high school, college, whatever. Yeah. Every kid has to follow their own path, and what we have to let go of is feeling like if our kid doesn't follow that path that we were not good parents. It is the biggest BS Mm. in the world. Mm. Our kids are meant to follow their own path and it might look completely different than what you had in mind, because what you had in mind is likely has to do with what you want for for them, because then Mm. you can feel good about yourself, that you did a good job. And all we really have to do is our very best and, and they will find their path in life. But it's important that we as parents also create our own fulfilling life if we don't feel fulfilled. If you feel completely fulfilled with raising your parents, fantastic. But if you feel something is missing, I highly encourage anyone figure out what it is and add it to your life. Mm,
0: absolutely. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, I love that. so they would all be at the age where they would be aware that you know mum's written a book mum's put a book out mum's a you know a published author um yes. how do they feel about that
1: they it's it's kind of curious they they like it they kind of accept it or actually for a while because it took me 6 years to write it basically i had I, the funny thing <laughs> is i had already started writing my book before i had this awakening, because I had done so much work where I allowed myself to simply pursue what excited me. And I started thinking about, gosh, I want to write a book. I want to integrate all these wonderful ideas about spirituality and psychology that I get from all these different books and integrate them into my own book and then write about my own experiences and insights and whatever. So and after you know my ego shut it down many times like you're not going to write a book forget about it who do you think you are you're gonna be a failure you'll never succeed Uh, you know one morning I had a deeper awareness and I knew you are going to write this book this is what you're supposed to do so I started slowly figuring out what I wanted to write about and then a year later I had the spiritual awakening and for a while I thought there is no way I'm going to write about this. Forget about it. There is no way I'm going to stick to what I wanted to write about in my book and forget about it. This is impossible. People will think I'm crazy if I write about this stuff. And lo and behold, of course, I started realizing, no, you need to find the courage to to write about it. So the whole process basically was six years. So Mm -hmm much of my youngest kid's life is like mom is writing a book mom is writing a book so they were waiting and waiting and finally the book is published and this and that and um, it's kind of interesting because we we have a lot of families in our neighborhood and then um, just the other day my 13 year old came home and um, she said yeah a friend of mine she said, uh, "Yeah, her mom had, had read your book, and she really liked it. And I'm like, oh, that's great, you know. Like, so it's it's kind of weird. It's like in our community, and
2: yeah, and
1: um, yeah. So, um, yeah, they they like they just now think it's it's normal. Yeah, mom mom wrote a book, and she's doing podcasts, and now she's got an audio book coming out, and she's getting into life coaching, which is really my passion. Yeah, um, so." Yeah, Mm. it's interesting, definitely.
0: Is it important for you personally for them to see that you're not just a mum, you're not just you don't just exi- exist for them. You're capable yeah. of your own passions and you know achievements.
1: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And what I what I realized um, during that awakening, and that that's what I how I approach my kids now. Like you, you really have to sense what are you interested in, um, and 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 listen to that now. Yeah, we have a responsibility for for ourselves and our kids. One day when you know they're adults, to you do need to um, financially take care of yourself. So, you know, if something is is a hobby and you know it's not going to make money, it might have to stay a hobby for a while while you figure out how to, you know, pay the bills, yeah. and then over time maybe you can see how you can make a living. You know, um, but. It's very important to, to listen to that voice. And also, if you haven't figured it out yet, which is very common for 16, 18-year-olds, like, I have no oh, idea yeah. what I want to do. Yeah. You just trust. You keep moving forward. And trust. You will figure it out. You mm-hmm. will. Keep trusting. Just keep moving forward. And just relax. You'll be mm-hmm. fine. You'll figure it out. Um, you know, it's very important, yeah, That that kids see that mom is not just mom, especially I think with having three daughters, Mm -hmm. if they ever want to have their own children, I think it's important that they will allow themselves also to not just be mom and to figure out they're more than just mom. Mm -hmm. They're whatever they want to be, however they want to fill that in. And it doesn't mean it takes away from being the best mom, you want to be, I think it adds, I think it makes you even well, it makes you a happier mom. Mm. You might not spend as much time, like I, I spend time away from my kids, but they're they're old enough. So it is easier. They're very independent. Yeah. But I don't feel bad about it because I know it's good for them yeah. to spend time on their own, figuring things out on their own. And I still spend plenty of time with them. And um I'm a happier mom for it. I'm more fulfilled. And therefore also when you are more fulfilled as a parent, you actually give your kids a little more space to figure it out also uh, on their own. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think it also shows that, you know, we're all responsible for our own happiness. Nobody can make you happy. You can't make your kids happy. Yeah, You, you can make yeah. it happy for a day, doing something <laughs> fun, yeah. But true happiness, it, it really does come from within. It's that fulfillment and purpose and meaning, and uh, only we ourselves
0: can can figure that out. Yeah, that is so true, isn't it? Um, when you said before about kids not knowing what they want to do, I feel like over here, anyway, um, the kids like my son. My eldest is fourteen, and they're already you know trying to decide the pathways for their you know their their education. Um, for the job they want to do and it's like how can you possibly know at that age what you want to yeah. do for the rest of your life that is just an unreasonable yeah, thing to put basically. on anyone and I say to my son um, you know I, f- I found my dream job when I was 35 you know there's never you're never going to run out of time you know you're going to go through experience in life and maybe the thing you think you want to do you start doing it and go actually this is not what I thought change to something else like you yeah. know there's there's no pressure To decide right this second Um, and that's something i'd love to see sort of change in the schooling system yeah Yeah. i I really think we need to have a cultural shift big time big time and and
1: education i I see some of the shifts happening already because there's so many parents who say we need to bring back the trades yeah you know we're, we're, we're like for so long we have been preparing all these kids for higher education but not all kids want to do higher education they want to work with their hands they don't they, they don't want to dive into all these these books and read and mm-hmm. they, they're, they're just, and not all kids are meant to do that and yeah we, it, we have yeah. to change as a society really
3: yeah. and
1: and and put the same value on on a trades education and a four-year college degree really mm-hmm. that's what's got to shift yeah. um and we also tell our kids that Just keep moving forward, make the best decision at that moment, and just know that uh, allow yourself to change your mind. If there's a a Mm -hmm. gift you can give yourself is to allow yourself to change course. If you get stuck like, well, I want to be a, uh, let's say I want to be a doctor and um, from a young age on, and then you get older and you you realize the reality of it is not really what you want to do, but now you've kind of painted yourself in a corner, like I have told everybody for years, I want to be a doctor. And then it becomes so hard to acknowledge you want to do something else.
3: Mm. Because
1: now you have to do maybe with family, that's like, what, you always want to be a doctor, and now you want to do something else. Mm. So we tell our kids, always be open-minded and allow yourself to change course if you really feel this is not the right direction anymore, Mm. you know? Mm. And I do think kids just need more time, and they need to have more fun too, <laughs> and, oh, and more yeah. hands-on classes. Yeah, they got to bring the trades back oh. into the classroom, you know.
0: It's so true. And, and they are
1: doing that. I'm seeing the, the yeah. shift a bit, but it needs yeah. to happen more.
0: But that's the thing. Like you're always going to need someone to fix your roof, or you know, carpentry. You're all, we're always going to need people to create with their hands, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's got to yeah. unlock the toilet, or you know. Yeah. yeah so yeah absolutely. we need that We've, and a, a great saying some one of the ladies I had on my podcast said we can't all be astronauts we we have to have a yeah. balance in life <laughs> yeah so it's about yeah, acknowledging that I think uh,
1: mm. I've always found it fascinating
0: say you're talking about how it's a different time for the kids but then the parents like it's really hard to parent children at the moment because most of us depending on our age we didn't have social media when we were growing up um so it's like how do you navigate that when you've had absolutely no experience of what it's like to be a teenager and have that whole new world that you're dealing with so I think that's something that's it's really challenging for a lot of parents at the moment and yeah, it's, I'm so glad yes. I didn't grow up with that. I just think, God, yeah. it's just a, whole, just a whole extra thing you'd have to be worried about all the time. Like yeah. life was so simple when I think back to yeah. my childhood and my teenage years. Yeah,
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's um, a very challenging time for parents to be raising kids. Um, life, just even just, just for adults, life, has become so full mm. and fast. Yeah. Our nervous system is actually not wired to process so much information from the twenty-four hour news cycle to social media to all the emails. Um, I always think our parents didn't get all those emails from the schools, you know, from teachers, from the principal, from um, you know the PTA and the fundraisers, mm. yeah. and, and everything that comes our way, we have to process. And it is so much more intense. Um, And that's just for the parent. And now we have to manage our children and social media and doing homework on their computers that we can't watch every second that they're on a computer. Like how do we guide, how do we keep them safe? It's stressful, it's a lot. And we're the first generation of parents that has to figure this out. Our Mm. kids were guinea pigs. Yeah. Really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And um, and it's still developing exponentially, all mm. the apps and all the ways that they can figure out how to get online and we won't even know about it. Yeah. And so yep. it's, yeah.
0: Mm. It's a mind. Yeah, thing. I don't it's know who, who ever
1: thing. thought that social media was a good idea for, for middle schoolers. I don't know, but, but it's not.
0: talking about your um, coaching that you do now do you want to just share a little bit about that with us if you know anyone's listening that thinks that this is something that they'd you know benefit from can you share a little bit about what you do
1: yeah absolutely yes thanks Um, there's just so many moms who kind of feel stuck and it, it often has to do with that guilt again they they feel guilty for not being happy because their lives are good this and that they feel guilty if they even think about taking some time to themselves or or pursuing something um and what i do is making people aware of all their beliefs that are tied to what it means to be a mom and um, Kind of waking up to how they're thinking and and sometimes it has to do with the culture they grew up in mm-hmm. um, like I remember one mom who um, I think her background was Vietnamese and she said in my culture the family comes first always you always give to the family the family is the center you give 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 so it 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 just was conflicting with her wanting to have time to herself to pursue something, she didn't even know what it was. But she said, "Like I gotta make a change because I, I, I'm just, I'm just so stressed and whatever. I'm just not, not happy. And I know there's. She had a few ideas of what she wanted to do, but she just struggled with the guilt. And um, once we started talking about a different perspective, like. Well, how are you now when your kids need you, when your husband needs you? Are you just happy to, you know, be there for them? Or are you like, oh, my gosh, what do they need now? What is it now? You know, it's like, yeah, it's the last. I'm always like, oh, my gosh, I never have time to myself. So I told her, well, what if we reframe it and you set aside some time for yourself And then be inspired and enjoy, really be in it and enjoy what you do, guess what's gonna happen? Then when you're present with your family, you're much more present and then you don't feel so drained because you know every week you've got this time for yourself Mm -hmm. and it's coming every week and you do what you love and you keep pursuing different things that maybe it'll shift over time. And then you can just be there for your family even more and more present and more positive. Yeah. And once she started seeing that, she's like, oh, now I get it. Okay. Okay. That's compatible. Okay. I can still like honor my culture and honor what I need, you know? So it's always about finding the right perspective that is healing because we're, we're often just not seeing it right, you know, because we have ideas and beliefs and limits, uh, limiting thoughts. Mm. and it's about uncovering those and I um, yeah that's definitely a passion of mine to help help moms find the right perspective and and then help them pursue what they want to pursue
0: yeah that's wonderful good for you that is just yeah really wonderful that you can pass that gift on um for the you know that amazing experience that you've had and then you can you know help so many other moms and And then that helps, you know, it goes down the line. Like you said before, we're all connected. Yeah,
1: it's because I had to change my perspective. I felt guilty taking time. So I know what these moms are going through. Mm. So I know, and I know how hard it is to change your perspective and to to break these patterns. I know how hard it is, but I also know the rewards are incredible, not just for yourself, but for your whole family. Your whole family will benefit. Once you become happier, everybody around you is going to feel it. Mm. And also another thing, when mom is happy, kids feel it. And now they don't have to feel any responsibility to, like, make mom happy. Some kids are sensitive that way. Yeah. They feel kind of responsible. And they don't have to worry about mom anymore, too. I've heard Mm. about that, too. Yeah, yeah
0: yeah that's a really good point it's
1: always it's all good you know life might shift things might change but it's always the fear of the change that holds us in place but once you can gradually integrate the changes it can be so powerful
0: absolutely it's just it's finding that balance isn't it like your, your example of your client you know she's honoring what's important to her culturally but then she's also honoring herself which is so important yeah Um, yeah yeah, and getting that balance right and that'll be different for every single person
1: exactly that's the whole journey but I do believe there's always a way in which we can gently integrate some changes you don't have to make massive changes right away you know for some people that's the way they do it they quit their job and this and that most people can't do that Mm. so I've done um, the way I've made changes was gently integrating all the little changes over time and then Mm -hmm. you know you look back and it's it's a big shift ultimately
0: yeah that's it all these little little tiny things add up to this massive massive effect over time yeah Yeah. and and then that makes it less daunting like you talk fear fear certainly holds us back you know that oh no what if this doesn't happen or if this doesn't work or you know the what ifs that like you were talking before about you know we jump forward we think about the future but know the only time we really have is is the present and there's there's really no point you know jumping forward and We, we
1: really only have now and and what i also realized is even though we want to make changes and on the outside like we want to do something uh do a hobby or or start some whatever it is the shift always has to happen mentally we have to shift our thinking and sometimes it's a tiny little shift with our thinking and and, you know, but then it starts to show on the outside and just a tiny little mental shift is huge energetically. You feel it and then the world around you starts to respond differently. It's a fascinating process, I've experienced it. All of a sudden you meet different people you, mm-hmm. you, you find yourself in different situations that actually support what you wanna do. And, and it just mm-hmm. opens everything up with just tiny little changes that you're making basically mentally. It's mm-hmm. the mental shifts that you create and then it starts showing up in your out, in the outward, you know, in your world.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. so much for coming on today Danielle it's been so lovely to talk to you Well, it was
1: wonderful thank you so much for having me I love chatting with you
0: yeah absolutely I'll put the links for people to get in touch with you in the show notes but do you have a website or um, somewhere you'd like to direct people to head to if they'd like to know more yes
1: the easiest one is um, uh, innercompassliving.com so Mm -hmm. innercompassliving.com and they can also reach me at innercompassliving at gmail.com. And um if people want to know when my audiobook is coming out, it should be late April, early May. Um they can sign up for my newsletter. That's on the website. And then they'll get my newsletters and a blog and right. whatever. They'll they'll be in the loop on the latest. So Intercompass
0: Fantastic. Oh wonderful. Look, good luck with it all. And I'm yeah excited to to check out the audiobook too because I mean obviously I, I've read it on the page but I think when you hear the person that wrote it reading <laughs> it it just adds a completely different dimension to it you know um, yeah. so yeah I'll be excited to check that out too yeah oh, thank you so much thanks for your company today if you've enjoyed this episode I'd love you to consider leaving us a review following or subscribing to the podcast or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.